And now, the Street Photography Magazine podcast with your host, Bob Patterson. Welcome back to the Street Photography Magazine podcast. I'm your host, Bob Patterson, publisher of Street Photography Magazine. And we have Paul Reed back. He was with us, I don't know, I think two years ago. I'm calling him Mr. Monochrome because he does a ton of monochrome and he knows a lot about it. And I know we're going to talk a lot about it today, but uh, Paul's over in the UK and Carlisle. I hope I said it right. That's what we call it over here. It is right. We got a lot of Carlisle, Carlisle, Pennsylvania, probably named after your town, I'm sure. So anyway, welcome, Paul. Oh, Paul's a professional photographer. And uh, he is a, a big-time advocate of the Leica Q2 monochrome, and he just does a ton of beautiful monochrome work, not just of that, but with other, other things. And uh, so we'll talk monochrome, we'll talk gear, we'll talk whatever comes out. We'll talk YouTube. He's a big-time YouTuber now, <laughs> so you got to catch his YouTube videos. So anyway, so welcome. How oh, are you doing? Good. good, good. It's good to be back a lot has happened since the last time I was on. Um, yeah, it's, uh, well, I went full-time into photography is one of the things that happened. So that I did that in September. And and then the YouTube channel, which was never created for anything other than to, if you look back at the very first videos, I basically show one photograph and talk about that photograph mm-hmm. and that's all that's all that youtube channel was ever set up for was because i was i was thinking how with posting stuff on instagram and all that sort of stuff how am i going to show people these photographs at the size that i want them to see them so i was would always advise people watch these videos on your big tv and just really have a look at these photographs uh-huh. you know have a look at it so that was why i set it up and then, obviously, as time goes on, things evolve as has many things f- for me to do with photography. Um, but yeah, so so the YouTube has really took off, and it's not um, like it's it's not up there with the massive hitters yet. But it, I'm getting so many subscribers every day. Like it's, I'm probably getting at least a thousand more a month at the moment subscribers a month on mm. there which is that's a real that's a lot uh, compared to what my instagram was that the instagram so i'm on about 10,000 followers on instagram now but that was quite a long time you know to to build that up uh, which it, it is if you genuinely want to build your instagram up and it's something that where you're not paying for for um you know for followers because that never works anyway mm-hmm. those followers will come and they'll go and all yeah. of this thing to do with you know if somebody follows you and then they're only following you for you to follow them back all of, none of that stuff works because as soon as you follow them back they'll unfollow you and they they only did it for a follow um and those aren't the sort of people that you want following you on Instagram those uh, what you want on Instagram is people who are genuinely interested in your photographs, and that's why they're following you. Then they're not even bothered about you following them. So, so I built that up to ten thousand followers over a, like a period of about two two and a half years, really. But the YouTube that I only re- even though I started it a while ago, then I thought I'm going to put a bit more into this. So that's nearly at 5,000 in just a fraction of the time that it took to build those mm. um, those followers up on, on Instagram. So I don't know what the sense in that is because it's harder to get people to subscribe to a channel than it is somebody just to simply click on uh-huh. a, on a follow, follow on Instagram to subscribe to a channel. I mean, God, I, mean I, I don't subscribe to that many youtube channels i so when somebody subscribes to a channel then they're really interested and really want to watch that you know that content so over the moon really with all of that sort that side of things you know i 
I completely forgot to say something at the beginning. Oh God. You're the you were the featured photographer for our July issue. So um and part of this is our is our interview that we're gonna use to write your story. <laughs> All right, right, yeah. Ashley, and uh, by the way, Ashley Rifo, our editor, she's doing a brilliant job writing writing these stories. So anyway, I want to get brilliant. back to that, but I, early on, I want everybody to know that you're you know you're the feature guy in the in the month of July, and uh, great. see more see more of your work in there, and maybe not in the size you want them to see it, but they'll, <laughs> they'll so definitely I, see it. Can I be called Mister July instead? You can be, yeah. You know, you have to have your clothes on for the photo. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah definitely definitely you're mr july mr monochrome mr july whatever you want to call it so anyway but yeah the youtube thing i want i, I did want to talk about that so since you brought it up um well you already talked about why you do it and i'm and i think I, by, by the way i'm a big fan of your youtube channel i think i've watched everything uh you know a lot of youtube frankly is crap yeah, you know, it's the it's the video version of of uh, clickbait. Yeah, you know here here's how to shoot street photography with the X one hundred V or the Leica Q tube or wh whatever, and you don't really learn anything. There's really no information. It's just just a way to get people to watch. But yours has a lot of a lot of meat to it. A, a lot of a lot of depth. Oh, thanks. Yeah, um, I, I, the the videos which uh, the videos which I kind of dislike on YouTube are the the these point of view videos. You know, like where they put the the GoPro on top of the on top of the camera, <laughs> right? Yeah. And then the show, and then the show basically this, and and it's just something which because all I want whenever I watch YouTube, whenever I watch, whenever I look at Instagram. All of these things, all I'm looking for is inspiration. Really, that's that's what I'm. That's what I want to get yeah. out of it, and that's what I want other people to get out of my stuff. I want them to get inspiration out of it. I want them to go out and start shooting. You know, think right. You know, not necessarily buy a, a Q2 monochrome because they've seen my stuff, but uh, which does happen. But more that it just makes them want to go out and and shoot photography so that's what i look for in on youtube but these things where people do these point of view things where they put the gopro on the top of the top of the camera and then they're just wandering around the streets and then there's maybe about in fact sometimes there's just no good photographs taken at all you hear the click mm -hmm. and, and then and then and then and it's a photo and you just think oh man that's rubbish and you just think that's not that's not why I'm watching this. I'm watching it because I want to see great photography. I want to see stuff that's gonna just make me, you know, fight, put that fire into me to get me out and start taking photographs. And so that's what my that's what I would say my YouTube channel is is all about. Is really about trying to inspire other people through my photography to go out and you know shoot whatever it is. You know, I mean, I do street photography of course and i've done you know the last time we spoke i probably didn't do as well i didn't do as much street photography back then no. do a lot i do a lot now um but i also do so my the, the, what i do is this i do street photography i do street portraits um and i do what would be categorized as fine art photography Basically, anything that doesn't come under any anything else usually is called fine art photography. But I would say that would mm -hmm. be things like so. That's like my time traveler project, where it's the guy in the hat, and uh, that's that would be considered fine art mm -hmm. because you've set it up, you've kind of, but all of these things gel in to to each other because when I'm out doing street, then obviously I might see an interesting person. And I'll think I'd love to do a street portrait of him and then ask that person to do a street portrait. Or for the fine art stuff, I might see a location where I go, right, okay, well, there's nothing going on here for street right now. I wish that a man in a trilby would walk past this this scene right now, <laughs> but, it, but it's not going to happen. 
So, look, I'll tell you what, I'll come back to this location and I'll do uh, and I'll do an actual kind of planned shoot mm-hmm. of, you know, fine art photography. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's different from street photography, obviously, but it's it's all of these things complement each other. Yeah, that's what you do, and you do it well. I um, uh, yeah, when we first talked, and yeah, two years ago, and I asked you for some street photos to put to put in the article, and you didn't have a whole lot. Yeah. What you had were really good. They were very good, and then so that was two years ago, and then I I'm watching your view, YouTube channel. Well, this is actually my favorite. YouTube you made is you took your Q2 monochrome to London and shot on the streets. I don't know if it was for a day or two days. And I, I look at that video and you, you show the video of a lot of the photos you made there. And I go, wow, he did. He found all these great shots in, in one day. And I even <laughs> I think I commented on your, might've been on the YouTube or something on yeah, Instagram. Yeah. I'm not sure. And I go, you did this all in one day. You know, I'm lucky to get a, fo- a photo of that quality, you know, once a year. Yeah. Once yeah. every couple well, of years. It, it doesn't my- always happen. That's, that's the thing. Well, it no, it doesn't. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it just made me want to ask, you know, um, is it because Paul has done a lot of weddings and you really have to be like fast, you know, you have to be fast and, and see things quickly when you're, when you're, you know, working in that environment. I mean, is it because of your experience as a wedding photographer or, you know, professional photographer that you're able to see these things so quickly and, and compose something so strong in a, yeah. So a I, th- I think seconds actually. Yeah. So I, I honestly think it's the state of mind that you're in whenever you are doing these things. So whenever you're on the street, it depends on your state of mind and what's interesting to you at that at that point in time. Because I've done it where sort of there's some days I'm just so excited, you know, like just so excited about you know about street photography and about people. And and my street photography is certainly you would call it humanist street photography rather than fine mm-hmm. art street photography. Um, so it, a lot of the time, you know, it's all about the people and and when you were just kind of appreciating people really, you know, and, and the streets and, and whenever you're feeling that way, then you you tend to see a lot more than what you see whenever you're in a different state of mind. I've been in London where in fact, not that long ago, I was in London, completely different state of mind, not, (laughs) not really liking people that day, (laughs) just, just, you know, like just a bad state of mind. Yeah. And I'm kind of, and I went and, also, sometimes if you start putting too much pressure on yourself to come back with the shots, then that's when you're going to fail because you need to be enjoying it. If you're enjoying it, then you're going to just be you're going to be seeing so much more, and you're going to be getting so many more great shots than if you're out worried that you're going to come back with nothing because that's a state of mind that I have definitely been in before. And the more exposure that I've got, the more I'm in the public eye, the more the the better the YouTube channel gets, the more Instagram followers that I get, the more worry that comes on. What if I just take absolute rubbish today? What if I come back with nothing? Then then that puts you in a, a headspace where you will come back with nothing. You need to be going out with a, positive attitude and just looking around and just appreciating everything that's around you. How do you get in that state of mind, especially if you're feeling crabby that day? Yeah. And I am a big believer in you should still go out with your camera and you should still, and sometimes, you know, if you're, um, if you're going through a hard time or, or anything like that, I still think you should get out there and take photographs because you know, it can be a, an amazing therapy uh, to do that, you know, to go out and take photographs and express yourself through photography because, you know, that's sometimes, well, it was photography really, which, you know, that photography got me through an absolutely horrific time right at the beginning. I don't even, I can't even remember if I spoke about this uh, 
the no. first time, the first time round. But the the real turning point to my photography was um, was through a tragedy, which you know, which happened, and no. it. But basically, what had happened was I had uh, a best friend, and we were like brothers, and we just we did everything together we worked together we um we basically we lived together and it was just uh you know for years and years and years of this real kind of friendship almost like an old married couple <laughs> um and then what happened was just it, you know what i can't even remember how many years ago it is now but so he developed a brain tumor and oh. And still, I thought everything's going to be fine. Everything, everything's going to be okay, you know. Yeah, sure. And it, that wasn't the way it happened. It was kind of a two, one, maybe one year of hell of his, you know, him trying to get better. You know, he got operated on and all that sort of stuff, mm-hmm. and it just didn't, it didn't work. You know, the the tumor got bigger, and and he died, and it was such a loss in my mm-hmm. life. And such a terrible thing, you know, which happened. And how do you deal with that? How do you, especially when you've never dealt with death in your life before, if you've never yeah. dealt with any any kind of loss, there's there's those moments where you can't believe it. Whenever you can, you'll just be sitting there and you just go, "What? You know what? What's happened? That person was here, and now they're not here." And that was a really, you know, like hard time for me to lose somebody. So close. I was kind of like the grieving widow at the, you know, at the time. Sure. You know, and people don't kind of sometimes don't put, you know, just because he was just a friend, not like a, like a a partner as in a wife or something like that. But it was, you know, it was just, just as bad because we'd spent, I'd spent more time with him than I had anybody. Anyway, the, what I did do though was I threw myself into photography. And I'd always look. I'd I'd been a photographer for many many years. Let it kind of slip and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> but what did occur at that point was I saw how much that that my friend was trying to hang on to life. He was fighting to hang on to life, and there was me just going through life like you know, like nothing, mm-hmm. like not following my dreams of being a photographer, not out there taking photographs anymore. Um, so that was a real turning point. I thought, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to put myself into into photography, and I'm going to do what I always wanted to do because life is short and you need to be, you know, you need to be pursuing these dreams that you've had since you were a child. So that's what I did, threw myself into photography and and saw things in a different light. Because of that, because of being in that kind of state of grief, but then this appreciation of the world around me and appreciation of all these people walking around. And that really was a huge turning point for me. And that helped, that really helped me through the grief, helped me through, you know, that hard time. And yeah, and my photography wouldn't be what it is now. If if it hadn't been for that, I wouldn't wish tragedy on anybody for them to, um, you know, for the them to suddenly see the light in in what they should be doing, you know. But it can cause that, and it did cause that with me. It it caused me to to see the world in a different, you know, in a different way. I'd like to take a quick break to thank the Street Photography Magazine subscribers for your support. We couldn't do this without you. You may have noticed that we don't sell advertising or sponsorships in the podcast or inside Street Photography Magazine itself. And that's because we want to be completely objective about the work we publish and the services and gear that we cover. Our only constituent is you, our listeners and readers. So if you like what we're doing, you can support the show by subscribing to Street Photography Magazine. It's only $5 per month, and you can do it by visiting streetphotographymagazine.com slash subscribe. And now back to the show. Yeah, it's, I just read something on a Facebook post, of all places. 
And I forget who it was. I, I saw it a couple times over the last week. And it said, the good thing about life is that it's finite and that you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Which, and I think you don't really internalize that until something, you know, so a tragedy happens, you know, if you lose somebody. Yeah. And until then, just like you said, I'm just going along, you know, yeah, not doing my daily looking. stuff. And it doesn't sink in and it hurts. I mean, it hurts like hell to lose somebody who's close to you. But, um, you know, when that does happen, you realize it's like wake up call time. What are you yeah. going to do with it? And Absolutely. You, did, you know, and you made it work for you. I, I'm sure it took you a long time to work through it. Yeah, and it, it does. It is amazing as well that it took me. Like, if I knew, because I always wanted to be a photographer, always. Mm-hmm. You know, there was there was never anything else that I wanted to be, and that's the only thing that I ever wanted to do was photography. But somehow, somewhere along the line, that that dream of doing that got lost somewhere, and um, and now if I'd have known back then, it would take me until the age of fifty because. Yeah, okay, it started to happen a bit before I was 50, but really, um, but it was really whenever I was 50 that everything just started to fall into place to do with the photography. And yeah, <laughs> that's a lot. That's, but I, it's something I could have done years ago. It's something I could have done in my 20s. But yep. I didn't. Well, you know, we all think we're going to live forever. <laughs> yeah, I'll do it later. I'll get to it later. Yeah. So, now, you did say you went full-time last September. Yeah. I remember reading about that. And uh, what what did you do before? Oh, so and, I worked. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it wasn't interesting, I'll tell you that. It's, um, a, it's a scary move. I mean, it's a huge step. Yeah. It, it was, and um, and it wasn't easy to begin with. So, so yeah, so I I worked for a, a, a telecommunications company, and I basically just sat behind a desk all all day mm-hmm. in the end. And look, you know, I mean, there was good times at that place of employment. Um, there was some great people that I met, and all the rest of it. And but I th- gradually, what happened is, you know. P- People left, you know, the company was getting taken over and all that sort of stuff. And there wasn't the same people there. And I realized that, why am I still here? And I realized that the reason why I'd been there for so long was because of the people. It wasn't because of the job. Yeah. And and also, I, I did always intend that I was going to go full time uh, into the photography. I just was always looking for the right time. And what I realized was that there was never going to be a right time to do it. So in September last year, I just decided, right, I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna do this. And also, I'd had a crack at this be- crack at this before in my twenties. You know, in, in my you know when I was in my twenties, and um, and failed. Failed miserably at being a, a full-time photographer, and uh, you know, looking back at that, I, you know, I know why that was, and all the rest of it. Um, a lot of that was to do with where I actually live and where, you know, who I was aiming the photography at. A lot of it had to do with the fact that I did what I thought other people wanted me to do, rather than what I wanted to do, and following the whole, you know, people. I I was doing that whole kind of you know weddings in a in a um, in a an untraditional way in a kind of a reportage sort of way and mm-hmm. people here in Carlisle just weren't ready for that at the time they just in fact they would say to me they didn't get it they just they didn't even understand it and but no. I so so what did I do in, um, rather than what I should have done was went further afield and went to some and and you know put myself towards some of the cities that did understand 
the way I was shooting things, but I didn't do that. What I did was I changed my whole photography into doing things in the way that this this city, I call it a city, it's more like a town, understood. And that kind of, you know, that was my downfall because I can tell you now that the best way that you could be successful as a photographer is to do what you love to do, is to do what you actually, um, you know, what what puts the fire into you. Because as soon as you start to like conform to what you what you think you should be doing rather than what you want to do, you, you're going to fail because you're not going to love doing it. You're just going to be doing, you know, the run of the mill stuff. Whenever I went full time in September, like I obviously knew all of this because I'd remembered from my twenties, <laughs> don't don't do that again. Stick to what you you know. There's plenty of people who would say to me, uh, you know, you shoot too much. You shoot too much monochrome stuff. You shoot too much black and white. Well, th- well, this time round, I've thought, you know what? No, I'll, I'll look. I'm going to embrace monochrome. You know, it's what I love to shoot. So I'm going to. That's what I'm going to. You know, that's what I'm going to shoot. Um, but yeah, you you definitely need to be doing what you love doing in order for you to be successful at it. Because if you just kind of so now saying all that to begin with, I didn't really know how self-employment works in the fact of <laughs> I thought it would work where I'm going to get jobs in uh, maybe like three jobs a week and then I'll know where I am with paying the rent and all that sort of stuff. But I, but it didn't work like that. Mm-hmm. And I didn't realize it didn't work like that because nobody told me. Um, what was happening was I would get nothing, no working. Then on one day, I'd get everything in. You know, it would, uh, you know. So, but I didn't know that. Nobody told me. So I maybe spent three days. This is how bad it was. Maybe spent three days in bed thinking I've failed again. I've tried again. When I'm like 50 years old, I've done it again. I'm like, photography hates me. And this is, you know, this, I can't believe I'm going to have to kind of uh, get a, a job again and made a massive deal about look at me going full time. And I'm going to have to go and say, well, I tried and failed. Anyway, so it doesn't work like that. And photography doesn't work uh, like that. Uh, well, probably most businesses don't work like that. Where right. you're just getting. So, um, now, so that's September, October, November. So I'm just trying to work out how many yeah, months like, it is. Like nine months, ten months. Yeah. yeah, and and I'm at a stage now where I'm earning what you know a bit more than what I would have earned in that job that I was Great. in. You know, like, I'm yeah. sorry. And, you know, and to be honest, um, I'm not. I'm not kind of my ambitions are just to just to be taking photographs, just to, to obviously be able to pay the rent and all that sort of stuff, you know. But apart from that, if I'm out doing this, doing photography full-time, doing what I love full-time, what more do you want in life than that? That's living the dream. That's retirement. And <laughs> Surely that's like being retired. If you're out taking photographs and, you, you know, and that's what you're getting paid for and you're doing it your way, and people want that, not this kind of doing what other people want. Um, well, let me tell you, the first thing that people start, whenever I started to, whenever I'd kind of maybe said to a few people that I was struggling a bit, you know, I was thinking, oh, no, the, money, the money's not coming in. The first thing that they start to get uh, asked, say that you should do is, why don't you do this? Why don't you do that? And they're usually things like, why don't you do school photography? Uh, Why don't you do ins- photography shots, for yeah. ins- insurance uh, co- companies? What well, those don't do that. As why I'd say, if, if there's any photographers out there that are thinking, you know, well, okay, well, it it, it is photography. It's not really. It, it's photography, I guess. In the in the in the smallest ways, it's photography. If you're taking like pictures of a car. The damage on a car for an insurance company, there is nothing of you that's going into that. Mm-hmm. You're just going to go, there's the front of the car, there's the left of the car, there's the back of the car. 
and it's going to be soul destroying for you. The same with school school photography. Uh, you know, um, a lot of that is actually run by uh, you know companies, and they just hire photographers in for next to nothing, which would be you or I me. Almost did that, yeah, yeah. And then yeah. you're working like a dog, and you're taking all these pictures, and you're getting next to nothing, next to nothing for that. But of course. You're doing it because it mildly resembles photography and you're a photographer. My advice is don't do any of that. Go and get a job in a bar. Go and get a go and get a go and get a part-time job somewhere that brings that um that brings it something that you know you're not gonna make a career out of it, but complement your photography with something like a part-time job that you you know let me tell you, working in a it, like in the, a bar or something like that, you're going to come across more people. You're going to come, <laughs> uh, you know, you're going to what? What you're going to end up doing? You're going to end up probably photographing half of those people, doing portraits of them. Doing, you know, that's a better way to uh, supplement uh, what you thought you were going to make as a photographer rather than doing, you know, like the the ph- photography that you hate to do. Sorry, I've just gone off on one again. Though. No, you know what, though? I, I'm so glad that you brought that up about uh, your experience with, with the weddings. And yeah. Is it? And I didn't realize this until you just said it. I mean, I, I told you about I doing this project. I wanted to start a personal project. I wanted to shoot and document the people who are in our jazz community locally. It was yeah. a small town, It's, but it's college town and a lot of a lot of very creative people here excellent music town and uh it is so it's a real rich and diverse community of people and they remind me a lot of photographers because they do it for the love of music because you know there's not a lot of money to be made you know playing music for most people you know not everybody is uh you know you two or whatever anyway yeah so, you know, and I, when I first started, I was out there and I was just doing my thing and, and shooting my way. And then the, the local jazz society said, you know, you're, they were giving me access to events and things. And, and so I'm, I'm taking photos and I'm thinking, yeah, they probably won't want this. This might not help them. I, you know, I, I'll take some of these kind of shots. And I, I was doing them mainly in monochrome, started doing some in color. Because I thought they would like those color shots, and then I'm when I was editing some of my work the other day, it's just you know it wasn't very inspiring, and I'm thinking, what am I doing wrong? And you answered that question. <laughs> I'm trying to please somebody else instead of myself, and I was yeah. out there because it was my project, something I want to do, and make it my own, and now all of a sudden I'm, I kind of stopped yeah. doing that at least the last couple times thank yeah. you yeah so in pleasing yourself you're gonna you, you usually because you're passionate about it and because you're doing things the way that you want to do them you'll find that that stuff finds its audience and that stuff um is this is is usually the stuff that is actually most appreciated because yeah. that's coming that's coming from you that's coming right from within you and nobody else is seeing the world and seeing anything the, the same way as what you see, as what you see things. There's similarities, you know, like we do, you know, and that that's kind of how, why we kind of, uh, you know, create bonds with other people, you know, because we've, you know, we've got stuff in common or, yeah, I, I agree with you. Or, um, but nobody sees the world in the same way as what, as what you see or as what I see. Yeah, and that's the amazing thing about photography is is you can show me, you can show me how you see the world because I don't see it that way. Yeah, and that's a, what an amazing, what an amazing gift that is to be able to do that through photography to show people how you see things because the, there's no other way that you could show them. That's true. You can't explain it. Yeah. 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 First, they could see your work and go, man, you're crazy. <laughs> yeah, I did. Uh, one of the first things I did when I moved moved here, I've lived here five years now, and I joined a local camera club. 
and I and they had have these critique nights or whatever. They used to yeah. do them live. Now they do them on Zoom. So I put some of my stuff up there, and they're looking at. It, I go, "What is this? <laughs> what are you doing?" You know, they. I mean, they do. All these people do great work, but they, you know, flowers and landscapes, things like that. And mine are more human, kind of quirky. I look for quirky things in the world. And yeah, and I go, why do you do that? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that's the that, thing. That's I mean, not what every- I see. You know. Yeah. Not yeah. everybody's going to get it. That's a, that. That yeah. is the other thing. I mean, not everybody's going to get it because there's plenty of photography that I don't get. You know, yeah. there's plenty of stuff sure. where I'll look at it and and I have to kind of, especially if somebody wants me to critique uh, their work or or something like that. Uh, I obviously need to try and kind of th- uh, think outside of my own kind of. Uh, hard. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But but because I might just not get it. And and that is the thing with photography again is is you'll find your own you'll find your own uh, audience the people that do get it and that's what you've got to look for um, but you don't even have to look for them you know they'll find you that's true that's true you know what I uh, speaking of that you know I look through like your Instagram and um, when I look at your street portraits. They remind me a lot of one of my favorite photos of yours and probably one of your signature shot, Baron in the Barn. Yeah, yeah. Ho- hopefully we can put a copy of that in your in your feature article. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I just, I love that photo. And then I see these other photos you take with people on the street and it's got the same feeling to it. And I know I'm what sure you, you know that. Yeah. I know, yeah. It's it's a funny thing, yeah. It's um that that's the what well, like one of the great things about street portraits is um and that Ben in the Barn picture, I mean, I'm never gonna be able to take that photograph ever again. You know, like that's yeah. that's that's the amazing thing about not so much like set up portraits, so like say if you have somebody in the studio and then you know you take the portrait, you, you know, you could pretty much reshoot that if you wanted to or you could do it in another year's time um and but street portraits um and that the, the likes of the bairn and the barn those will never happen again you know like i'm never going to find that situation with a boy that looks like that with a background that looks like that and him looking at me the way he's looking at me and all of those things just all Mm-hmm. fell into place on that photograph and and I look back at that image and I st- and even though that image is a lot you know it, it, well it's not a long time ago but but it's it's it feels long ago now that that I took that portrait but I still look back at that portrait and I um I I don't get sick of it I don't get tired of that portrait mm-hmm. I always look at it and I think man you know I wonder if I'll ever take anything as good as that again, you know, because that's what that's, I put that up there as one of my best photographs that I've ever taken. And obviously, you know, you, you, you will, you know, sometimes you think, Oh, well, I, I took, am I just a, um, not a one hit wonder because I have took some other, you know, the photographs that I'm really proud of, but, but I do look back at that Ben and the band picture. And I do think to myself, man, that was, uh, everything just fell into place there. But yeah, you're right. Uh, if you look at a lot of my portraits, they are, um, you know, quite. Uh, there's a, there is a similar kind of vibe to them, um, to to that image, and it's just kind of again, that's the way my brain goes. I automatically kind of compose things in a certain way, and you know, those are things which um, would be different from say how you know, you would com- compose an image and, um, and that's, again, it's just again, showing, you know, portraits in a way that you take them rather than just what you think other people want to see. Well, and I can tell just by, you know, just by looking at them, you, you must make a, like an instant connection with these, with these folks because you're only with them for a couple of minutes on the street. And yeah, they just you know they give you just such a. Of course, 
maybe the crappy ones you don't put on the uh, oh, I wouldn't put the crappy ones on. But, 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 but mean, they, mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're just like relaxed, and and they seem to show you a piece of themselves. Maybe it's just yeah. the way you come across, easygoing no, guy. Yeah. Um, I mean, I do. I definitely do try not to just say, just like, just go up to somebody cold and say. Can I take your picture? And then that's it. You know, can I take your can I take your portrait? I do tend to kind of try to, you know, have a little bit of a conversation with them. Well, I'll normally tell them what I'm out doing. So that's a good way to kind of start it off. Rather yeah. than saying, Oh, hi, you know, like and just I'm just out and about, you know. Cause cause when you've got a camera, sometimes what happens is especially when you're doing street photography, you get caught. You're like you get you get some somebody looks and or or maybe they're just looking at you because you've got a camera. Now sometimes what I'll do is I, if I think oh, I wouldn't mind taking a portrait of that person, I'll just kind of acknowledge them and give them a little wave sort of thing, and then I'll just kind of go oh I'm just like I'm I'm a photographer I'm just doing street photography if you were wondering, and then they'll <laughs> maybe go oh no I was just looking at your camera oh, yeah yeah well <laughs> and then you can go into you know, oh, do you know what? I'd like, I'd love to take a picture of you. And then you can take a portrait of them where you've already caused some kind of connection with mm-hmm. them rather than that going in cold and saying, Hey, uh, I'm a street photographer. Can I take your portrait? That, um, it's unlikely that you're going to get any depth to who they are in your portrait if you do it that way. Mm-hmm. So do you, um, you give them a business card or anything? Yeah, email or I mean, do you ever send them photos? If they ask for them, yeah, and I have yeah. done that. Um, so a lot of the times I'll just point them to my Instagram. I'll just say, This is my Instagram. Uh-huh. Um, I should carry cards around with me. It's on the, the list of things that I should do in life. <laughs> um, but I, I don't, but I you know, I am definitely gonna have to do that because it does happen often you know, where I'm standing there and they are trying to find me on Instagram to, so that they can follow me, whereas it would be so much easier just to give them a card. But in the main, they'll follow me on Instagram and I'll say, look, and if you want a copy of the photo or anything, then just send me a message, you know, and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll send you one. And they can and, tell you what photo it is too. Yeah, yeah. Um, and look, the thing is as well, like some of my portraits may not be the most flattering of portraits either, which uh-huh. that's sometimes a slight worry, um, you know, like that. They're going to go onto Instagram, see that picture of themselves and go, oh, no, you know, like, you know, <laughs> take it take off. It down. <laughs> um, but that's actually, that's, that's never happened. Um, usually they can appreciate how good the photograph looks, you know, and even if it's not, the most flattering picture in the world to them, it's real. And um, of course, like using a 28 millimeter lens, you're very close to them. You are going to get a little bit of that, a little bit that it will, it's just not as compressed as say something like a 50 millimeter lens, you know? So, so even that in itself causes something which is slightly less flattering and say something with a 50 millimeter lens. But what I find with the, with, uh, the, the, I'm not saying I'll never take portraits with a 50 millimeter lens. I will and have, but there's something about that 28 millimeter lens where when you look at those photographs, it kind of almost just pulls you into the image. It's like, uh-huh. you come here, you know, it just like pulls you right into it. And that's is something which I do love about that focal length. And I'm still taking pictures i feel like at some stage i you know maybe do need a change of, of focal length but i would probably wouldn't even go even that far with it then but because i've took so many portraits on 28 millimeter um i could maybe do with just a little bit of a change maybe just to 35 millimeter for for a bit just to change things up a little bit and you gotta leave the monochrome at home well i'd have to have something else yeah i'd have yeah. to have another another camera um and what would that be? But well, well, one thing I am considering doing, which you've heard it here first, <laughs> is I am thinking of um, going back to shooting film. 
Yeah. Um, to uh, black and white. Oh, well, maybe I might. Maybe I would even do color if I was shooting film. But um, so I have. I've got some film cameras, you know, I've got some, I've got a, a Nikon, oh, I can't even remember what like what it's called. Um, what Nikon is it? Uh, something like an F30 or something. Yeah. I, do you know what? I can't even remember um, what it is. I've got a Canon T90 and what else have I got? Um, oh yeah. And I've got a, a Canon P, I think it is. Um, it's basically that is a, or a Canon 7. It's a rangefinder Canon camera that was, I think, mm. it was trying to be Leica at the time. So these are these are great cameras. Um, I've they've just been sitting on a shelf somewhere for a while now, and I've always had this thing where I've kind of thought, oh, I'd really like to shoot film again. Now, before I end up kind of spending loads of money and getting a a Leica M, let's say a Leica MP film camera. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that this calling to to shoot in film is not just a fad in my mind <laughs> before I start to invest thousands into a, another Leica camera. Because yeah, obviously I would love to shoot um, with uh, a Leica rangefinder for that uh, for that type of photography. So I have shot some films uh, just over the weekend there. And I'm going to develop them myself because I like that aspect of, of film photography and probably not print them in a dark room yet. These ones, I probably will just scan them yeah. in using a scanner and have a look to see what, what I've got and see, well, do you like this look or have you came too far into the future now? Because a lot of my photography is, you know, very high definition stuff to go back to 35 millimeter film is the opposite of that you know you're going to have that grain and you're going to have um but there is i have do feel this calling back to film so if i do do that then that will be that might just kind of tick the box of using maybe a 35 millimeter lens or a 50 millimeter lens for some stuff and it's exciting but it might just well, I don't even know if I'm going to be able to develop it right first because it's been that long since I've done this. Yeah, I might make a, I might like mess that up. The difference is now to whenever I was uh, developing films back in the days, you can get a bottle of, uh, I think it's Cine Still Developer, and it's an all-in-one developer. Yeah. You only need one chemical. You just get it to the right temperature, put it for the right amount of minutes. Pour it back into the the bo- uh, back into the bottle again. Wash the thing, and then that's it. You've 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 developed your film. Whereas it used to have to be developer, some kind of stop bath, then yeah. uh, then yeah. fix, then yeah. fix. So things are a bit. Things have moved on, even in the the film world. And what a what a. Uh, I mean, I know what's going to happen is because I. It's been so long since I've shot film. I'm going to make mistakes, and and there's going to be lots of people who are shooting film now, where you know who knew like the, all mm-hmm. the youth of today are loving film. You know they're they're absolutely yeah. Um, you know they're they're, 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 they're that's what they do. You know they a lot of them shoot film, and a lot of them are going to be kind of thinking I'm an amateur at, at all of this. <laughs> And then I'll be saying, I don't to think them, so. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be saying, look, I was shooting film when you were, you know, just a glint in your dad's eye. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, well, before we go, at the beginning, I'm calling you Mr. Monochrome and everything. We haven't really talked a lot about monochrome, uh, but yeah, you true. do, um, oh, you do, um, like mentoring and coaching of people to yes. do better with their monochrome. And I, I guess, is there any tips you can give people? Well, first of all, like what's the biggest mistake people make when they're, we'll talk about shooting digital monochrome. Yeah. What's the biggest mistakes that, that you've seen people make and what can they do about them? You know, a lot of people, you know, we'll convert photo, you know, convert photos to monochrome and, and they just don't feel right about them. 
And yeah. uh, what, you know, what should we be looking for in, in our own work? Yeah. So, so what, what I see is, is the biggest. So, yeah. So I do uh, the, so yeah, I mentor quite a few people and, and then also, um, you know, do workshops. And one of the things which I see most um, as, as an issue with uh, people is the fact that there's no separation from the subject to the background. Monochrome is a funny thing because you've not got, well, you've got, <laughs> sounds obvious you've not got colours, but <laughs> you've not got, you've only got shades of grey, right? Yeah. So you've got black, white, all these different shades of grey. So what that means is, is sometimes if you're not careful, then nothing stands out in the image. So you could have, you could go, right, well, the subject, I'm taking a picture of that dog, right, in the street. And so you take the picture and then, and then you get back and you edit it, put the picture on Instagram, whatever. And people can't even see the dog. They don't even know that the dog was there. They don't even know that the dog is the subject that uh -huh. you want them to look at because part of photography is showing people what you want them to see, showing them what the subject is. So that is like, that is the thing which I see the most is where you can't tell what the subject is. And that's a mix of composition. Um, Oh, and the editing as well. The the composition, because basically if you put a so if you put a like a a, a grey dog, that's the like, I don't, I don't know, a grey dog against a grey background, then obviously you're not gonna, yeah. you know, that, that's just gonna all start to blend in. Um or or um or even a, a grey dog against um the, the certain colours that would be grey. Mm -hmm. You know, like that would be the same grey. So there's no separation from that subject and the background. And certainly, you know, for street photography, street photography can get really busy looking. Oh, yeah. It can, you know, you can, if you're on, you know, on the streets and you've got all of this stuff going on, then sometimes you just, there's, your eyes have got nowhere to initially go and they don't, people don't know what the subject is. So, the solution for that is obviously to do with, well, firstly, you know, it's, it's your composition, but the editing really needs to be uh, to follow the same uh, way that you composed it in the way that you need to be editing the image to enhance the subject over the other parts of the background that you don't want people to look at. And that could be... And, that, and that's, you know, using masks and things like that in order to do that. Um, but, yeah, the amount of completely grey photographs that I've seen is, you know, is just ridiculous where it's just a, especially with monochrome sensor cameras, because they do, the raw files are grey. You know, the, people, a lot of people just get rid of their Q2 monochrome on day one because they they, <laughs> they thought, Especially yeah. if people look at my stuff and they'll go, oh, yeah, you know, look at the contrast. Look at this. Look at, you know, look at all. This is amazing. They get the Q2 monochrome and they go, what am I doing wrong? Because all I've got is a grey, boring image. And that's because they're not editing those images right. And I, and, and put this, I, I know photographers out there, especially on some of these Leica forums and things. And I've seen some street photographers who they're almost good. They're almost there, you know, like the, cause I, I, I but they're editing the stuff wrong. So it's actually the editing where they're getting let down, not even the actual photography itself. Yeah. So the solution for that is, um, well, certainly don't don't buy a mon uh, if you, if you can't if you're not going to put the time in with a monochrome sensor camera to do the editing on it, then get rid of it and go and get and get um you know get a a, a color sensor camera and convert it to black and white for starters because there's there's profiles within Lightroom and all that sort of stuff that is going to at least be able to push some contrast into the image and you know, all that sort of stuff. 
with a monochrome sensor camera, there are no real profiles for a monochrome sensored image, raw. Mm-hmm. There, there's, they are just flat, like a digital negative. Back in the day, whenever we shot film, um, we would have a negative and we'd maybe do a contact sheet, contact print of the, um, of the negative. Now that image would tend to be, uh, flat, very flat looking. And that's how I see monochrome sensors. Uh, camera images is they start off flat because you're going to have to put yourself into that image. You're going to have to edit that image how you want it to be edited, not using presets, not using profiles. It's all you, all, all of it's you. And nobody's definitely nobody's editing things the same way. I can show people how to edit, you know, during my workshops and things. But also, I don't I like. I don't want people just to, um, uh, you know, suddenly co- copy what I do in a way. But I, I, I want them to kind of realize and see that they can be using all these masks and things to really push their photography and show the viewer what they want to see. Or what rather, not the viewer, what the viewer wants to see, but show the viewer what you want them to see, draw their eye to those things and uh, to the subject. Yeah, I think the the new uh, masks in Lightroom that have just come out in the last couple months have been a real game changer. Yeah, they definitely have. They definitely have it because makes it, that, makes it easier. You know, my only problem is, is I. Once you learn to edit one way, yeah. then something new comes out, then you kind of get stuck in your old ways. So, um, <laughs> so, so like I'm still using the old masks, you know, like the, um, you know, the radial uh, mm-hmm. gradient thing. Yeah. And, uh, there's yeah, the linear sure. gradient. There's there's the brush. There's all these different things. So I'm I, I'm still using those now and again. I might use the because uh, you could select a person. I know. You, you, you can select their eyes, you can select their yeah. skin, their hair, their, you know, all of those different things and really, um, you know, really kind of fine-tune your image with those masks, something which you couldn't do during the film days because you would have very – you'd make your own masks out of card and with holes in and, um, you know, and but it was never – uh, it was never this precise of what we can do today. That's great. Right, so um, I don't know if you've ever seen um, the film The Jazz Loft with W. Eugene Smith. And he he lived for like nine years in this building uh, in, in New York. And uh, it wasn't even zoned, I think, for, for residential. But uh, all these jazz musicians would come there and play. And he, he lived in the building. He was there for nine years. You know, people like John Coltrane and Polonius Monk and, you know, all these people in the day in the, in the, in the 60s. I think he was there in the 60s. But uh, there, one part of it showed him editing a photo. And he was trying to, you know, he was trying to focus the viewer's attention on, on you know, one part of the photo. And he must have printed like a a box of paper, just you know, printing it again and again and again, and, and you know, doing all the all the masking tricks you would do with the dodging and the burning with the you know the card with the hole in it and all that stuff, you know, until he got it just right. I mean, it must have taken him days and days and days. And now we can accomplish the same thing with, like you see, better precision. Yeah, with the click of a mouse. Yeah, and it and it is amazing, and it, and it's a that is a tool to use. You know, it's it's a tool that they would have used back then. It's um, mm-hmm. that's that's not that's not damaging photography at all. You know, that's no. not something. You know, it's all it is is it's you're just being able to be more precise with your selections in light in in Lightroom rather than d- a darkroom, and yeah. So that, so I see nothing wrong with those sorts of things. Um, where I kind of start to have, so obviously, like I'm, I'm not really 
Oh, this all this AI stuff and that you know, like yeah. there's, there's a lot of stuff. Now there's AI that there's AI <laughs> there's AI that can do good things, um, because you can have AI. There's there's some noise reduction, some AI noise reduction stuff now yeah. for in Lightroom, and I haven't used it much to be honest. Um, but I, but all that is a bit is a real benefit because it makes yeah, it you know like people could start using cameras from like 10 years ago, digital cameras and probably get noise-free images out of those, um, you know, as much as what they could out of a modern camera. So AI, um, so there's some good bits to AI and then there's some bad bits to AI and they, all this photo creation out of, um, you know, where they just type in a bunch of <laughs> wording and then it, and then it, and then it produces an image that looks like a photograph. And then, pass pass that off as as a photograph um that i'm not i'm not i don't like that I yeah think it's you know but adobe is using ai to make better selections because yeah yeah i mean just think of what it was like not too long ago when you were trying to isolate something yeah photoshop and trying to trying to get the edge right Oh yeah, 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 absolutely. I mean, doing it was like, like um, it, it took forever. It was yeah, you were I like using like the the magnetic lasso and all yeah, that sort that. of stuff, weren't you, to try it's and not get exact. those edges? Um, and yeah, it's it is great to have these tools that we've got now in order to you know to continue with being creative, but just you know so that it's takes up less time. You know, you, yeah. nobody wants to be sitting in front of a computer forever anyway. You want to no. be out shoot, shooting photography. Yeah. Um, but but the editing is part of it, just just like just like in the dark room, it, you know, it's that's part of it. And, you know, that was how people put their own stamp on foot on photography back in the day, was it was the printers. You know, the printers were the unsung heroes. Yeah. These, like David Bailey and uh, a lot of great photographers didn't print their own work. They gave them to a trusted printer mm -hmm. who did all of that dodging and burning and all of that sort of thing and then made their photographs look fantastic. Yeah, the photographer would say, I, I want you to do this, this, and the other, but it was always somebody else. But these days we are we do everything ourselves. Yeah. We edit we, we we do everything from the from the taking the photograph to the actual, you know, the actual editing of it too. Yep. It's different. And it's that's true in business in general as well. People don't have secretaries or administrative assistants anymore. They write their own letters. Yeah, yeah. Things and they like can that. do that with AI as well now. Yeah. Well, Paul. We've gone longer than I normally go, but <laughs> like I said, I could talk about this stuff all day long. And, and uh, I want to thank you for being with us. But, um, you know, before we go, tell people where they can find you, how they can get a hold of you if they're interested in, uh, in a workshop or a mentoring session. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so you can go on my website and use the contact form there. So if you're after um workshops um so so basically i do two different types of workshops i do the online workshops which is just over zoom that's main the mainly i do those over zoom and basically that consists of about four sessions and that covers my approach everything from the actual kind of composition lighting all of that sort of thing right up until the editing point so it's about four four uh, one-hour Zoom sessions. But if you're kind of feeling that you are wanting somebody to bounce ideas off and things like that, and also maybe just want some guidance with projects and you want something a little bit more long-term, photography, I don't know, like it can be a little bit of a lonely thing to be into sometimes, especially street yeah, photography. Yeah. And sometimes you just want somebody to show your work to, talk about it with, so that's what the mentorships is all about. It's kind of me. Again, we do it over Zoom, but that's like three months 
um, of my mentoring and also, um, you know, we do those, you know, do those over Zooms. It could be critiques of your, of your work or just, you know, it's whatever. It's always tailored to each individual that. Um, again, you know, you can get in touch with me on my contact form on my website. And what is your, what is your web, website? It's, <laughs> What's just, the link? it's, it's just Paul Reed Photography. So R-E-I-D. Um, and or you can message me on Instagram. Oh, you don't like this. There's so many. Or you can go to my YouTube. Everything that I do is Paul Reed photography. So if you Googled Paul Reed photography, you're going to see probably my YouTube, my uh, YouTube channel, my Instagram, and my website, and you know a bunch of other stuff as well. So as long as you spell Reed right, which is R E I D, uh, then yeah, you'll you'll find me. And uh, by all means, I'd. I'd love to help any photographers out there who feel that they need help. Well, thanks a lot. Uh, It was great talking to you again. And um, let's stay in touch. Yeah, absolutely. Your thoughts about the show go a long way in helping us decide on the guests and the subjects that we include in each episode. So please take a few moments to write a review in Apple Podcasts, or whatever service you use to stream your podcasts. It helps us know if we're on the right track, and it helps others to find and enjoy the show. The editor of Street Photography Magazine is Ashley Refo, and our audio engineer is Russell Boyd from WeBit Studios, found at webitstudios.co.uk. I'm Bob Patterson, and this is the Street Photography Magazine podcast, a service of Street Photography Magazine.